What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. So I want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder Framework. This is the podcast where we get to interview experts <laughs> that just tell you a little bit about their journey. And I find it so fascinating when you can find interesting people to tell you about the journey that got them from where they started to where they are today. Today is no different. Uh, I'm privileged to have John Major on the line today. I'm so excited to have him. He's a good friend from business school. Uh, he is head of operations in the food network in the food business he has head of operations and that's what he does by day you know he distributes food uh through multiple chains and the whole supply chain and i'm sure he can break that down if he so chooses to <laughs> but what he does at night is just as interesting he kind of transforms into uh what we know to be a foodie and the man travels all around uh to just just taste different delicacies and he has such an interesting perspective around food and i would love for you to get a sample of it again if you're interested in culinary arts if you're interested in seeing some of the things that happen on the food network is he's not on the food network uh-uh. <laughs> endorsing it but at the same time just give you give you a snapshot of the type of personality that he is he's he's definitely a gentleman he is um you know a very intelligent and brilliant young man who i'm just privileged to have on a program today and without further ado i just want to introduce the niche finder framework to this walking perspective around <laughs> food and culinary arts welcome to the program john major thank you for joining us <laughs> thank you so much for having me cliff um it, it's amazing you know uh, i've gotten to know you over the past couple of years uh w- w- in business school and you come into my wedding. It's it's all good. We're part of the Justice League, you know. I guess it. That's it. We're. Uh, it, it's a pleasure for me to be a, a part of the po- podcast today. And you know, just from your brand, your publications, your church involvement, your content, um, you're on the top of your game. I feel like you are like the Jedi, the Yoda, <laughs> and Thank you, I'm man. like common rebel mercenary. You know? <laughs> Look, we all on the same side, man. We yeah. we, we all on the same. 
inside. So, uh, but so I appreciate you, um, you know, that encouragement and, and your and your insight. And I really would like to peel out or peel off of you what I know to be true, but what everybody else is just coming accustomed to now, um, and as they start to learn about your journey. But why, why would the audience, let's just start this out very quickly, why would they have a vested interest in your journey? Well, my journey is a work in progress, I will say. But people, I think, would be interested because my backstory is based on two sort of tenets everyone can relate to, which is food and family. So... I grew up in the bakery business. Um, my great grandfather came from Poland and uh, to North Jersey, and eventually got into baking by accident. He was essentially a um, someone taking—he's like a taxi driver taking people to and from New York City to New Jersey. Um, so he got into this business by accident. Someone asked him if he wanted to be a part of it. He said yes. So um, my grandfather took over that business and expanded it exponentially. And, um, he really put it on the map. When my father graduated, uh, college, then he became uh, my grandfather's partner and they created, they, this was major's bakery. So they, they both spent a career building this very successful retail bakery in Bergen County in Lyndhurst. And I was always a part of that. So I had to um, essentially help prep a lot of food, a lot of desserts, a lot of baked goods when I was a kid, and the family would come together, and they needed help, so um, I was always a part of food production, always getting a little bit of a taste here and there, and, and I'm trying to understand um, how a business runs. Mm. Um, when my father, um, when he basically decided to pivot, uh, retail is incredibly difficult. Uh, it's so demanding, and I, I commend anyone who's in the who's in the industry, especially with food. But um, they both realized that it's a good idea to diversify. So my father branched out um, into commercial food production. And he started a frozen dessert wholesale business. So instead of like the cakes and pastries, and um, which was very, very successful, he said, you know what? I'm going to pivot. I want to do commercial, large-scale, um, large production runs. And I want to sell it to supermarkets, country clubs, hotels, uh, event spaces, catering halls. Um, so, you know, 10 years into that business... Um, I part I partnered up with my father, and I began mm. working at this place at Elegant Desserts. So um, through my tenure there, I got to see and participate in like the successes and the trials, the good and the bad of a family business. So mm. it's cool. I learned I learned so much about people and marketing and selling products, and I learned how products food is made, and not in like a just a kitchen sense or a bakery sense. I learned of how it goes from these raw ingredients to basically where someone would pick up a cheesecake in the supermarket. So I saw, uh, it gave me a lot of exposure and experience to the business world, which of course led me eventually to get my MBA. Um, so basically I kept pushing myself and I, I'm like the utility player cliff. You know, I became, um, I did whatever was told by my family, by the people there. Um, I became certified in different food quality disciplines 
So mm. I went from like marketing, I was you know selling products, um, I was learning how it was made and how it was shipped and how it was um, distributed. But then I realized in order for us to get really big customers, we have to change our our, our uh, certifications of quality. So I took the company to the next level with something called SQF. Um, so so that's basically what it is. I spent a long time in the bakery business, um, learning my craft and learning how to run a business. Um, that company after 25 years, um, was actually purchased our small dessert company, even though we were in all the shop rights and all the big supermarkets that, you know, and love the company was purchased by a private equity company. And Mm. it is really kind of an interesting turn. And I gradually started helping, um, the firm, you know, this other, the, the owners, their other food businesses, which led me to my next job of VP of Joey's Fine Foods, another wholesale bakery. So basically, you know, uh, it is the bakery business, but it's really business, right? I was hiring people. I was figuring out how to price product. I was figuring out um, um, the most efficient way to make cookies, cheesecake, right? It's not just like, you know, oh, I'm going to make a cheesecake and go, it's going to take 45 minutes. You have to make a lot of them very quickly. um, Mm. So you can, so you can get some economy of scale, some efficiency. So right. that's essentially um, what it's come to. I've become uh, kind of a, a, a pretty good at operations and trying to figure out how a facility can make food with high quality. And also that means safely, right? So the food has to be, um, you, when you eat it, you don't get sick. This is something right. that's very, we take it for granted, right? Um, you know, it's, oh, of course it's safe to eat. But the reality is there are a lot of places where it's not so safe to eat. So I, there right. are so many protocols that I've learned to to make our food excellent. So um, so that's kind of what happened. But I, I, honestly, I, I, I felt the need and I still feel the need to do something uh, a, a little bigger. Um, so I started um, a food blog called at Foreign Feast, right? That's my Instagram, Foreign Feast. Mm. And it's foreignfeast.com. And that's sort of, you know, how it, how it came about. I, I, a total interest in food. So the reality is family and food is how I got to where I am today. And that's what I'm using to continue my journey today. I love it. What do you consider to be your niche? I would consider at this point... Two, two of them. One I want to focus on a little bit more, which is Foreign Feast. But my, my niche would be improving quality of output at, and standard operating procedures at a food production facility. So improving commercial kitchens. So that's pretty, mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty specific. Um, but the next one were, is, would be an explorer, a reviewer, an educator on international foods more specifically home cooking and street foods and snacks from around the world. Mm. That's what I do. I love, love trying new foods, especially from different cultures. And wow. I, you know, we, we spoke, it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, you're just eating a snack, you're eating a, a granola bar or, or having a protein shake. It's just business as usual. To me, food is not that simple. It's not just fuel. So food is a story. It's family and friends and culture and memories. So I wanted to make something, a blog um, and a, a, a brand that allowed me to connect my passion of international food with other people that dig it. Mm. So when you first started out, what external struggles did you have 
in the journey? Well, you know, so essentially, uh, you know, in the, during the daytime, I'm, I'm this operations manager and I'm running a food factory. Um, but I wanted to create this other type of thing. Um, an outlet for me to explore different foods. So one of the external struggles starting out this journey was the idea of like my goal. So the idea of becoming an authority on international cuisine. So like just that sentence and that phrase is, is mm. becoming an authority on international cuisine. Okay. It doesn't really have a clear path. Uh, what it, I really know <laughs> what that is. So you can't make money off of that. Um, I don't know. So that was one struggle, right? Like my goal. Um, the next thing was, um, I'm a great cook, but I'm not a professional chef. Did I need to become a professional chef in order to be taken seriously? In other words, I'm writing about food, right? I'm writing about international food, how it makes me feel, what it represents in the culture. Um, but do like, I need to be able to make this food. So that's what I was trying. I was struggling. I wasn't trying. I was trying to figure out my identity there. And, Mm. you know, again, defining that role was too abstract. Right. So, you know, I I just want to be the person people would go to and say, tell me about Kasu Marzu and tell me about that type of cheese. It's just it was just too, uh, too abstract. So the Mm. idea was trying to hone it down a little bit and figure out what, in fact, Foreign Feast is going to be. Um, and, you know, it's all about Andrew Zimmern. It started out was my inspiration. So uh, Zimmern and Bourdain and Anthony Bourdain, uh, these are people, you know, that are massive, massive players in this type of world. Um, but again, I wanted to be a little bit like them, but I wanted to have the John Major spin to it. So mm. I'm not them. They're not me. They, you know, I never will be. So I just wanted to take that premise and apply it to my life. So that, that was the struggle. What, what is it? What am I trying to accomplish? Mm. And what internal struggles did were you dealing with? Well, I mean, the, I wanted to launch this properly. So I, you know, I was managing these food production facilities during the day, but I wanted to be more involved in growing food brands. So it came about like um, more of a tactical struggle, right? I'm trying to do something professionally, but I want to pivot. So mm. I almost like I want a career change. I want to mm. grow food brands. I want to be um, someone that uh, is an ambassador for a company uh, or for a line of food products. I want to create food content. Instead of creating food, which I did, I wanted to create food content. I wanted to write about food. I want to become mm. a trusted source on foreign food culture. So the internal struggle was you know, tr- trying to make a career change and pivot from old to new which is always hard mm. in life. Mm. Did you find yourself hitting up against any roadblocks along the way? Uh, well, yeah, a, a couple. I, I'd say the first big one was doubt, honestly, in my own abilities yeah. to carry out this vision. Um, you know, so many of our NBA um, uh, uh, peers, so confident, so confident, so strong. Mm. Like, I'm just mm. a little bit different. Um, I'm, a, I'm a bit more of the, the sensitive type of guy, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying I was doubting myself completely, but I said, can I do this? Can I do this? So that's what I asked myself was sort of a, a philosophical question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second roadblock was, you know, I, I was unsure of the proper medium to begin, right? So I want to build this niche, right? Do mm-hmm. I do a podcast? Do I go on YouTube? Do I have an Instagram? Do I do a blog? So we were speaking before and it's like, well, 
you, maybe you don't, maybe you choose one or maybe you mm-hmm. choose them all. So I wasn't sure of how I was going to actually broadcast um, my voice to, to, to people, random people and friends. Um, and the third one would be, you know, it seemed like other people have had this idea in the past, right? So mm. how many people will take a beautiful picture of their eggplant Parmesan and it gets like tons of, tons of, um, you know, likes, I mean, mm. it's common, it's common. So how would I break away from that crowd? Like, I want to be different. I don't want to be this. I want to be me. And how do I break out and become uh, uh, my own voice as opposed to all the other people doing something similar? So those mm. are the three type of big roadblocks for me. You know, what I find so interesting is, is that sometimes, um, you know, I think we quite, we oftentimes look for the right answer in these moments that we find ourselves in. And a lot of what, a lot of what I see and speaking to different experts, when you pull back the curtain, well, when you, when the, when the lights are off and you, and you talk to them just on a one-on-one, they all have the doubts. They all have as, as confident as you may see that person, they all have some insecurity or feeling at some moment in time, they felt unqualified. But what's interesting with what you're even sharing right now is that you want to be different and you're also saying that I want to be myself. And by default, by being yourself, you automatically become different. Like it's yeah. <laughs> built in. It's like built into it. Yeah. And 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 I think, you know, um Seth Seth Grogan believe his name is he has a book called tribes that's a great book if you ever want to pick it up and the the essence of the book really says that when you want to build a following uh just just don't focus on the millions he says everybody has a tribe of about a thousand people Hmm. if you can focus on that smaller group of a thousand people he says that the multiplier effect will take that and 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 just expand it to you know you know, another number with exponents on it. One million followers by Brendan Kane. As a matter of fact, um, he I mentioned him a, a section of his book inside of my book, Dream Octane. And it's a great book if you want to learn how to build your different followings. And he breaks it down by the social media platform that you're using. So he has a strategy for Instagram, Facebook, you know, Twitter. He touches on TikTok a little bit because when he wrote the book, TikTok was just emerging. Mm-hmm. But then he he gives some really good content on that. Excellent. Uh, getting get, <laughs> yeah, no, my pleasure. Uh getting back getting back to getting back to you. So we talked about the internal struggles, the external struggles. We also talked about some of the roadblocks. What exactly did you want to achieve on this journey? Well what I wanted to achieve was creating a brand that would be the go-to brand for understanding international foods. So that's like achieving it would be to get people to tune in and learn. So I would, I would educate people, um, by going to different restaurants, by checking out different types of food about other people's culture. So it's really more or less a teaching tool. Now, I get that a bit from my father. You know, he has he's always in the sort of teaching mood. He would have been a great teacher um, professionally. But like that's something that's important to me. Um, And, you know, one other struggle I guess I haven't thought about was, you know, not trying to seem like too pedantic. Because I'm not a teacher myself, right? I don't want to be like, you know, I talk about, you know, a certain type of food or like, this is Korean sea, sea cucumber and this, I'm going to tell you where they use it. It's more or less like, did you know about it? Did you know yeah. about it? 
what is it like? What does it taste like? It has this burst of iodine when you bite into it. And it's actually kind of disgusting, but it tastes like the sea. So my, what I wanted to do was, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty heinous, but, <laughs> but I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. So it's like, that's something that I, 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 I love doing. Yeah. So I, I love that. And, you know, I think people are kind of getting a, a, a glimpse just talking about the sea cucumber. I get you get a, you get a little snapshot <laughs> into 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 what it's like. Uh, and I and I find out I remember when we went to China, man, I, I just knew that you were going to have a field day over in there and, and oh, you didn't yeah. disappoint <laughs> everything from the drinks to the food to what was happening on the streets. Man, you always had you had some great stories. Uh, about yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. You know what? It's like um, there's two ways about it. I, 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 know, I never wanted to be associated with a dude trying anything. I don't want to be that guy. The guy that's uh, like, the guy that's like, all right, you know what? Give me like um, fear factor. Yeah, exactly. Right. Give me, you know, t- t- three scorpions and you know um, a pound of gummy bears and let let's just try to eat it as fast. <laughs> as <we can. laughs> I, I always wanted to say, well, okay, why do why do the Chinese eat this? Why is it a, why is it a part of their culture? Is it something that they eat every day? Is it something that they farm? Is it um, something that's healthy? Is it something that's good for the soul? So, like, mm. I always wanted to eat food and learn about food because it tells me about people. It tells me about mm. what they do for a living, what their family's like, how much money they have. It's a it's a great like barometer of measuring people. So, yeah, in China, I I st- and I still will say this. I'm all about eating the stuff that may seem weird, but it's actually not that weird to them, you know? Mm. Um, Mm. So, yeah, that's kind of what's going on there. It sounds like you actually, the strategy that you use is almost like how parents feed their kids, right? You're going to have some kids who are just not, they're not going to get it. They don't want it. Don't even bring it next to them. But I can tell you, like from having a five-year-old, I remember uh, had just the other day, had some ziti that I knew my daughter would eat, but she was in one of her moods, her one of her, what I call her no thank you moods. <laughs> and she just did not, was not trying to hear it. And I said to her, like, you know, you know, you need to, you know, babe, this actually will, you know, get give you a lot of energy for later you'll be nice and strong just taste it so i just gave her you know again this is no 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 just taste it she tasted it and guess what mm, oh yeah I'm, let me get some of that. <laughs> that that you know what that lesson is first of all it's beautiful and second <laughs> of all it shows exactly what i'm trying to do which is when you frame food in a different way there's so much more content that you can get. And like, she was interested. Like my grandma, uh, one quick uh, thing is my grandmother, uh, she fed me some soup when I was like five years old and I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to eat it. Right. Which is amazing because I eat everything now. It was a parsnip, right? So it was just like a simple root vegetable and I was not eating it at all. And she says, Johnny, Johnny, this parsnip was brought all the way from Poland just so you could have it. It's so special. Okay. There goes the pitch. Yeah, there's the pitch. And I was like, what? First of all, I didn't know. I didn't, Poland, you know, what? My family's from Poland, but it didn't matter because it was, oh my gosh, what? It, it came from that far? That's crazy. So, right. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, uh, you helped your your daughter figure out a different way, and you coaxed her into it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we call your journey. Right now, what I do want to get from you is what I consider to be your niche. I really put that into five different categories. Simply put, is what your passions are. What patterns do you have you grown up with that kind of led you to where you are today, or what, what do you do naturally well? Proficiencies is what you've learned to do well over time. What do you do that feels purposeful? And then the last P is is what do you what problems do you solve and this is all things that help to shape your niche so if we go back up to the top what passions did you have what what do you what have you done that ignites you got it well you know passion is uh, a, you know it's it's often overused but in in this case it really really defines me because when i go for something i am full force I'm not the type of guy that sort of dips his toes into things. Um, I like to really immerse myself in what I'm feeling. Sometimes it goes away, right? I had a period where I was obsessed with playing chess. I don't play mm. chess anymore, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, the, the things that you know, you figure out what you love along the way define you. Yeah. So yeah. Um, passions, a uh, couple things. Serious about cooking. I'm not the best cook in the world, but I am always experimenting in the kitchen. I'm always trying to make simple ethnic dishes more accessible. Um, so, you know, when I go to Korean restaurants and they have this like huge bubbling cauldron of red hot, it looks like it's, you know, red dye essentially with seafood and tentacles coming out. I'm like, Oh my God, how do I even do that? I want to make that at home, but it's like, Oh my God, crap. How am I going to do it? So I'm very serious about like, um, trying my, trying my version of it because it was so delicious to me in the restaurant. So I love to cook. Um, I am an absolute lover of travel. Um, mm. I just came back from Costa Rica. Well, it was my honeymoon, but we, we, we definitely, nice. yeah, it was cool. We did a lot of exploring, a lot of eating. Uh, in a few weeks, I'll be going to Iceland. Um, uh, basically just like, you know, that was a honeymoon, the, the Costa Rica, but like, I want to do these small trips just so I yeah. can get away for a couple of days. I, I know that it's far away, but um, I love to travel. Travel is a very important part of my life, and it honestly just makes me happy. Um, the other thing, passion, strong interest in is music. It's a huge mm. piece of my life. Um, I've been playing guitar uh, since I was uh, um, you know, 12 years old. I write music. I sing. Um, mm. I write poetry. I love, love music. So, wow. Um, it's just something that I know I probably won't make a lot of money in, um, but I don't really care because it makes me so happy. I love rock and roll and participating in any way is such a great creative outlook, uh, uh, outlet, excuse me. Um, and then the other passion I have is eating out at restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if when I go on Saturday, it'll be 80 restaurants different restaurants this year during the second wow. year of covid which i mean cliff i'm I, i'm kind of insane you know who, 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 would do, who would do that you know but also i don't have kids so a lot of these other places that you know the kids might be like i don't want to eat that crap you know right um so anyway it, it, going to a restaurant allows me to see like a chef or a team of people displaying their their like culinary talents and telling their, sto- their story and it's just fun to eat their creations because it's like from the heart you know what i mean so zig ziglar has a quote he says there are three types of people in the world those who walk into a room unnoticed 
those who light up the room when they walk into it and those who light up the room when they walk out of it mm. and in your pers- uh, just uh, just knowing you even I, I'm, I'm sure people kind of feel it coming through the airwaves as they listen to you talk you are definitely one of those people who light up the room when you walk into it oh. so. <laughs> you're, you're sweet Cliff you know, it's, when I walk into my apartment I'm just like you know pretty chill and I don't light up anything <laughs> but yeah you're, you're, you're right I mean I don't know what over you know you, you the same thing happens to you too by the way you know I, yeah, I appreciate I know, that I know I know that too and and a couple other of our, our you know our um, our study group definitely does that um, yeah I mean you know it's hard it's that's what I want to use that personality to like explore and continue with foreign feast so mm. that 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 that's something I want to use you know it's a tool I want to use it to my benefit. What what do you do that feels purposeful? What what do you do when you do it? You say, I, I feel like I was made for this moment. Well, uh, I mean, m- meaningful things to me um, are pretty simple. It's um, it's helping people. I'm not saying I'm this amazing saintly philanthropist, but I am. I love. I do love to help people. I like, you know, like listening to people's problems and trying to give them advice and trying to help them give a little peace, a little bit of peace in their life has always made me happy. I'd like mm-hmm. to listen to people, um, feeding people. I like to feed people. I told you, you know, I love to cook, but making a meal for someone is, is just such a quick little way. I mean, depending on what you make, it's such a easy way. I think to say thank you to someone, you know, you're nourishing them. And also you took time out of your busy day to, you know, give them a little something, a little treat, you know, it, it honestly, it often makes them feel, it makes me feel a little less anxious and, um, I get to, um, make their lives a little bit uh, softer with a, you know, some cookies or some soup or something like that. Mm. So that's important to me. I, uh, that's uh, very important. Um, the, the next thing I'd say what's meaningful to me is, uh, prayer. You know, I'm not the most religious guy in the world, but, um, praying to God does give me a daily connection to the extremely powerful voice in my life. So b- basically thank the being thankful, being, uh, having gratitude, you know, again, I'm not a saint, but like I just, just, just speaking and, 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 and having thanks makes me feel like there's greater purpose in my life. Um, and I'd say the last thing that, that is meaningful to me is making people laugh. It's not something that I'm a pro at, but I actively have tried to pursue it since I was a child. And not a not a comedian, but I just love laughter because it it instantly brings people's defenses down. It's such a good tool. It allows people to get real. It like lowers their blood pressure. It just relaxes people. And there's nothing I like more than making people feel comfortable. So I don't like to be you know sort of snotty or arrogant. I just want to have a good time, and I want to make sure everyone's feeling happy in my presence and never ever anxious. So that those are like a couple things that are pretty meaningful to me. That's awesome. Unfortunately, people can't see the video on the audio, but John is one of those people that when you anytime he speaks, he's always smiling when he talks. <laughs> so he, you can't help but just reciprocate a smile back to the man. He's just he's that kind of guy. <laughs> uh, what do you what, what what do you do that feels like a pattern? What have you uh, what do you do naturally well? 
you know, this is something that um, you're, you're so compl- complimentary, and uh, I do get, you know, down about some things in my life. I feel like I'm not always doing everything I should be doing the best of my ability. I try and I try. At the core of me, um, I have to stand up for these. I am a very good listener. Um, uh, my wife can't listen to this part. She says I'm not always the best listener. <laughs> but it's a different type of listener. I'm actually... I, I, I love hearing people's problems. Um, it doesn't make me feel better. I just... I don't know. There just seems to be a lot of the lot of this talking these days, and no one's listening. So I feel like if if I listen to somebody, I uh, I I make them less anxious, and I, they open up and they get to relax a little bit. So to me, nothing's better than hearing someone's story or problem or memory that they want to share. Everyone's again like obsessed with speaking about themselves all the time. This is like the most I've spoken about myself in a long time. So <laughs> it's a little weird, but it's it's gratifying to just to also be silent, you know, and to hear what's in people's minds and hear what's what's in their heart. Uh, that being said, you know, I think naturally I am I I love being hospitable, right? I love making sure people feel comfortable. Um, I'm patient. You know, I, I think that that's come with my relationship with God as well. Um, but also, you know, I, I, being social, um, I, I, I just feel good. And I kind of naturally will, will talk, talk to people and that makes me feel good. And the last thing I think um, is being an advocate, you know, like I love supporting people. And this is just a part of my personality. I, I love supporting people's causes and their dreams. Um, it's never hard for me to share like other people's successes. Mm. I don't have, really have a lot of jealousy in me. I, I, their achievements are like my achievements. I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped for them. So, um, so yeah, being an advocate and pushing people and supporting people, I think that's one of the best things you could do in in, in life. So yeah, I'm, I think I'm pretty good at that too. Mm. I find it so fascinating that a lot of the things that are you either passionate about or you do well tend to be something that you can attribute to what you would do around a dinner table, right? It's being mm. a good listener, being hospitable, you know, being grateful. These are all like connected to being around food. It's just so fascinating to me how all of those elements kind of come together in you. I don't think I've ever made that connection. And, you know, I think that's a, a, a really good point. And also I am a fabulous dinner guest. <laughs> I will, so I will come over and have ZD with your family anytime. Oh, absolutely. And, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's probably the other thing about it. Because going to dinner, it's like everyone's got to eat. You know, like and, and, and every every language, like well, in Chinese, right? It's like, have you? How are you doing? Is have you eaten rice? Like wow. that, that's, oh, what it, okay. that's what it's been. That's the translation. Have you eaten rice yet? Did you eat rice today? <laughs> I didn't it's, know that. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of incredible. It's like, it's like life doesn't start until you put chopsticks in a bowl with rice and shove it in your mouth and wow. some tea. So yeah. So I guess I, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's <laughs> listen, food, you develop relationships with people. So yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right, Cliff. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what do you do? What have you learned to do well over time? Or what are your proficiencies? Um, I think, I think, as I said, like being patient, you know, I, I, I've learned I've known that in life, it it seems that you gotta be really fast these days, right. In order to compete with others. But to me, I think it's more important to, to have a slow burn. 
I, I realized like you get more when you work with a slow burn rather than being frantic. Like being frantic is good. It's, it's like the haste makes waste proverb. You know, I, yeah. I think that there, to, to me, it turns out, I don't think there is a finish line because you could always do better, right? Like you're as, as a professional, you're always trying to become better and better and better. But what's the right. finish line? I don't know. Cause a lot of times people find it, they go to bed and they're dead. Sorry, not to be you know so dramatic. Right. Like right. the idea is to me, um, I've learned to just have a level of satisfaction that you're okay with it. I'm not saying mediocrity, but you just have to kind of slowly build your brand or slowly build your life instead of rushing through it. That's one thing. Um, Another activity I've learned to do better, I was actually pretty crappy at it, was sticking to the point. With my with my writing, and, and, and you've seen this because we've collaborated on, uh, on, on many projects, and you're a fantastic writer, but it seems that like, uh, I'm sure you get through this too, but I used to be so wordy. So like verbose, and I remember a professor would tell me, uh, this French guy at a New York University says, you're too hyperbolic with your language. Mm. Never forgot that. So you know, when I would write an email, it'd be like two paragraphs. Mm. I realized that like, and a couple of people have corrected me. They're like, dude, less is more. Try mm. to be a little less wordy. Try to take those. Cause I also love vocabulary and I love yes. not, not like proving that I could use it, but I just like the English language is so gorgeous and, mm. and, and brutally large in its vocabulary. So I, I've really kind of learned to be a little more succinct um, as a result of basically, you know, being told to stop that. And also people have diminished attention spans anyway, and mm. no one has time. You know, you're, you have an hour and 15 minute commute. Like you, you see your family, no one's got time, you know, you're, right. you're, you're working hard to make time. So being succinct and I probably could be more succinct as I speak, you know, um, I think it's, uh, it's actually a very useful tool and I think I gotten better over time. Uh, and the last thing is, you know, I, I've become more organized, you know, like mm. from a tactical perspective and a strategic perspective, I have become more organized in my life. I started learning like the tactics of organization, you know, the backbones and um, how to prepare, you know, um, just, just little things, uh, agendas in my life. But finally, I'm able, mm. I'm comfortable with seeing like the big picture with time mm. management. And I've learned to live a little bit more minimally and think more strategically. And mm. to me, I'm because I'm, you know, I'm better at that. My life is a little easier. Wow. What problems do people come to you to solve in a unique way? Um, well, uh, organizing things for sure. Um, I have a, I have a couple of friends, um, um, who, you know, will ask for me to sort of help organize their rooms and their life and their, you know, their, um, their schedules and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to like what challenges have I been able to correct in a unique way, um, mm. I have so many interests. I, I never get bored. So it's been hard to focus on what's most important to me. You mm. know, like I have, as I told you, I love to cook. I love to travel. I love to write. I love to sing. I love to eat. I love to, I love all these things, right? But I figured out that I thought I needed to do all of them, like all the time to be happy at 100% to keep mm. me well-rounded. Um, th so that's like been a really sort of challenging thing to do in my life. Um, 
So what I figured out is I make time for each activity and like I designate times to do these things. And that, and when you organize and designate times, you feel like you get more done. Yeah, I do because, well, first of all, I just, you can't do it all, man. You just can't. So I, when I sort of compartmentalize what I'm going to, what I'm going to do, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to read about leadership or I'm going to write, um, a, like, a a little poem. I have to like, I, I, yeah, I like to compartmentalize my time and throughout the week I'll say what I'm going to do and then I'll do it. So yeah, uh, designating like priority levels will definitely, um, is, is a way I can correct all that like clutter in my life. Mm. So that's your niche. You talked about your journey, your niche. Now what I want to get from you on these last couple of questions mm-hmm. are your secrets. Got it. I want to know. And now as you speak to me uh, across this uh, airwaves, hmm. I, I would love for you to see me as your younger self, <laughs> 10, 10, 15, however many, however young you want this person to be. They're at an impressionable age and they're looking for what's next for them in their life. What secrets would you share with that younger John that would help accelerate younger John from where he finds himself at that moment in time? to where you are today? I mean, that is a very loaded question and uh, there, there's a lot to say about it, but I, I, I want to keep it simple here. Um, you know, it's funny too, because I, I now have a, um, a niece and a nephew, three and a, three and a half and like basically six months old. Like I am now Uncle Johnny and like I am sometimes in positions with my really smart um, niece, like to mm. give some, to give some advice and to to like offer some secrets and I want to do that. Right. That's like why a lot of people become parents, right. To make a, a, an easier life for, for someone um, that, you know, that they've created. Um, I'd say um, no activity or initiative or passion in life should be pursued. If it doesn't make you really happy and smile or, and, or like contribute to be, to you becoming a better, stronger person. So what I mean is, if it doesn't make you happy, don't do it. I know that's a simple thing, and a lot of things in life are not, you know, you toil through your job, you toil through your career, you work hard. Well, that means it contributed to you becoming a better, stronger person. You might not have smiled all the time, but it did make you stronger. So don't waste your time if you're being forced into something. Everything you, everything should make you somewhat happy or make you better. And anything else in between is kind of fluff. So there's my ph- philosophical <laughs> secret. I, th- <laughs> I I think that's good, right? I mean, it's how, much, perfect. how much stuff do you do in your life? You're like, Ugh, that's it's not perfect. really my thing. And, you know, you find out later. Unfortunately, sometimes you're like, oh, God, I'm, I'm old. I, I figured it out now. But at least you figured it out and it makes you happy, Cliff. Yes, it's true. It's true. What secrets do you have? That's a must-have to getting start started and staying committed. Um, you know, right? The, the crazy part is getting started with anything. Yeah. Um, so to me, and I know Tony mentioned this um, uh, with your conversation with her about mm-hmm. like she had a plan, but then like she just makes it up as she goes along. That's <laughs> well, that's, that's because Tony is extremely talented and, and intelligent and, and is amazing in that sense. But to me, <laughs> to me, you gotta have a simple plan yeah. and stick to it, stick to it, you know, simple plan and stick to it, stick to it until it becomes irrelevant. 
So like to me, I think when you're starting something and the secret is you need to have a little bit of structure. When I was starting Far and Feast, like I would do reviews and you know, I changed them a little bit over time, but like it was kind of working. So I, I stuck with that structure. And then when it doesn't work, you just move, you just move on. Um, another secret would be, you know, never lose sight of your end goal. Um, mm. A lot of people, you know, ha- have a goal board, have a vision board. I mean, this right. could be achieved as well by just having a few milestones or goals written down in a journal. You know, I want to get 10 followers. Like that's a goal. I want to get a thousand followers. That's a goal too. You know, I want to make, um, I want to talk to this restaurant owner and film him talk about his favorite dish. Um, you know, uh, ta- uh, taco de lengua, you know, beef tongue taco. Why does he like it? So that's essentially a goal. You get it off your list and you need to have the goal in sight. Otherwise, what are you working for? You're just kind of running around with your head cut off. So write down a goal. Um, another thing is like, I do this with music, hold on to inspiration. You know, there's, there's people that you just love in the world. You're, you mentioned several brilliant authors that have this like incredible ability to communicate these complex thoughts and, 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 and make you a better leader and make you a better writer and, and mm. a better content creator. To me, you know, it was rock stars. To me, it is people, it is chefs, people that know how to work with food. I don't lose sight of them. So the idea is to be in a food, like be a food authority is to be like Andrew Zimmern. Right. But one thing mm. that keeps me going is that like, I'm always checking up on what he does. And like, he always makes my, ma- makes me happy. And so, yeah, hold on to inspiration, you know, even like with, with music, like, oh, you saw a great concert. You heard this killer Marvin Gaye song, like use that and propel Mm -hmm. yourself forward. So yeah, it's kind of cheesy, but like, you know, keep those people in your life and don't forget like why you love something in the first place. And the last thing I think is, and it's everyone would agree with me. You don't have to be a, a genius to figure this out. Have amazing people in your life to back Mm -hmm. you up so your team right your wife your family Mm -hmm. your colleagues Mm -hmm. um our mba peers you know our our, our rutgers crew these are people that you know they got your back when you're tired when you're unfocused honestly when you're just lazy you know people like that you know they they appreciate your goals and they're going to motivate you so reward them for their generosity, but also keep them around and let them push you if you're lucky. <laughs> I love how you would tie together just making complex things simple and you tie it together with different books and different authors and so on. There's an interesting quote that was in the New York Times about founder of Harmon Industries, uh, Cindy Harmon. Mm. She said, I used to tell my senior staff to get me poets as managers. <laughs> she said, poets are, are our original system thinkers. They look at our most complex environments and they reduce the complexity to something that be, that is some, we can, something that we can begin to understand. And so when I hear your love for poetry, when I hear your passion for food, and when I hear your infrastructure that you come up with, 
this statement probably kind of embodies like, wow, this is why John has all of those elements. In it. You know what I mean? Like he has his his guys like he he knows how to take complex things and make it so simple. I mean, it's it it is it, it really is amazing, man. Just hearing you talk and tying it back to just research that I've done with my book and just hearing like, wow, this guy's really articulating what best practice is when I look at other experts. Well, I appreciate it. You know, hey, listen, I'm a poet and I didn't know it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's it. There, that's it. I'm done. Um, no, it's it, it, listen. I mean, I, I remember that story in college, like the Occam's razor, this medieval philosopher oh, yes. that was like, yes. you know, yes. basically the simplest solution is the best one. Um, yes. I found that and I do find that to be true. It's not always easy to do it, but it's, it's not always easy to apply that technique or practice, but it always works works it always works it's kind of crazy so i appreciate that's a compliment um but i'm still trying to make it even briefer so that's what i love about you know doing little reviews and i don't want to ramble i Mm. checked out a i roasted a chicken a couple days ago and i was like oh like you know i took a quick little recipe it uh from you know food network or whatever there were five paragraphs detailing how to make this chicken and like Mm. I was like, God, I just, just tell me, is it four set? Is it four twenty-five? Is it an hour and a half? Right. <laughs> Am I gonna shove thyme and lemon in the cavity of this poor chicken? Like, right. that's what I have to find out. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of fluff, and right. I, I, I'm, you know, I have put fluff in things in my life, but I'm sick of it. It, the fluff wow. ends now. <laughs> wow. I, I, I can't wait for this episode to drop because I anticipate, you know, a year or months, however long from now, people will look back and say, this is what's, this was this man's beginning. This is where he was just getting started. You know, foreign feast, foreign feast was just, just, this is when it was just a baby, just a little infant. Now look at it, you know, so there it is. I love it. I'm happy to be part of the journey, man. So Thanks. last couple questions that I have for you is, um, what, what must have do would you or action item would you want the, the niche finder audience to know about this journey into culinary arts? Well, elaborate on that just a little bit more. So if you had if you say, OK, you wanted to give somebody something as a takeaway to say that if you're interested in this field, here's what you should work on. Here's some here's some 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 bullet points. And, and this is somewhat of a, you know, uh, I'm kind of just pulling this just from our conversation. Right. Got it. What what would you what would you share with the audience as as a as a, a couple action items that you think would be helpful to begin this journey or to stay on it? Well, I would say. One is to sort of distill what you think is important in your life and pursue it. So again, I said, you know, what makes you happy? What makes you smile? What improves you as a person? These are the things that you need to do. Um, I think it's important to weed out the things that are fluff, the things in your life that, um, that don't provide you with the greatest of joy and sort of set them aside. Because to me, I think you are strongest when you have mastered, truly mastered your craft. So Mm. that's why I love, I I actually want to really, really develop this niche Um, Mm. to stay focused. You know, I mean, uh, that's like one of the hardest things for me. And I think one of the hardest things for a lot of people is, you know, the phone is everywhere. Video games, children, not in order of importance. Um, 
there's just a lot of stuff happening. Um, so I think that being able to focus and to get your work done when you're creating your brand, um, I think that's going to be a, a, a really sort of important perspective that will lead to your success. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, there's, there's, there's so many other things, but if you don't love what you do, it's not going to work. So that's why I think foreign feast is going to do well because I just totally love it. Um, mm. so don't waste your time uh, and try to stay focused cliff. I love it. Last question that I have for you is how do you know when it's time to stay focused on your goal versus retooling and changing course? Well, that's something that's very, it's an interesting question. Um, it's a hard one. I mean, uh, simply speaking, I think you got to change the course when you realize something doesn't feel natural or mm. is not a part of your brand. Um, you know, I think, um, Tony mentioned something about this too, but basically there's, to me, there's no reason pursuing something that you feel the need to inherently resist. And I said that in a couple of different ways, um, you know, throughout our conversation, but change it up. If it, like, Oh, intuition, she was describing how she, like she has created, you know, through, through management, through experience, through her leadership, if it doesn't feel good. And if you haven't like exercised that muscle where it just, it feels right. It's a part of your brand. It's a part of your style um, or your plan. Change it, change it up. Um, I think you got to stay focused on the goal and stay focused on building the niche properly. When you notice also people being like positively affected by your efforts. Right. Right. So like if you do something and you're building this brand, like what you're doing all the time um, with, with, with your publications, if it's affecting people in a positive way, you have to keep going. Like you should listen to your fans, you should, uh, fans, uh, followers, whatever you want to call them, listeners, readers. Um, like, the, isn't the goal of this to like try to help people? Right. I, you know, it's not just to hear ourselves talk. I mean, th that's the thing I want to like make this clear. Like, I'm not just trying with Foreign Feast to just sort of say what I have to say because it's so important. No, no, no. It, it, it's I want to make pe I want to hear people's stories and I want to affect people in a positive way. I don't want to be negative. So, you know, like if your customers or followers are being positively affected by your intentions, your tactics, your content, go for it, man. Just full steam ahead. Listen to your peers, listen to your team, and they'll tell you if they're on the right track or not. And I think the, you know, the other thing is when changing the course is important when you like lose all passion for it. Like when you see a pattern, if you hate doing something, I'm not saying be a quitter, just have an awareness of, uh, of what you're doing. If you don't like it, if you have lost it, move on. Hmm. You know, if you're not into something in the end, just stop it. Like to me, that's not evidence of failure. It's just, it means you weren't meant for that. You were meant for something better, possibly. So I know that's sort of a little more heady, but I think that's like, don't be afraid if it does, if you don't love it. The idea of the niche is for you to build something that you have like an absolute passion for and an expertise for. So change it up if it's not working for you and don't be afraid to fail, essentially. 
Well, John, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today. Man, I mean, you are definitely somebody, and I'm sure people in the audience will feel that when if they're making a, an exotic meal, I'm sure they're going to be having you in, in mind to say, man, we got to, we somehow we got to get John John Major at the table here telling some stories about Dude, the backstories. I, I would love to be there. And, uh, you know, again, hey, man, it's not a competition. I just love to try something new. You know what I mean? That's it. You like the food whisperer. It's like you, <laughs> you you get a bill in front of you, and all of a sudden you say, hey, "Wait, wait, wait a minute! This thing is telling me something. Just, Let me tell yeah, you what it's telling yeah, me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me listen to my pasta. I can hear the ocean. <laughs> oh, That's it, man. So, so John, how would he get in contact with you if they wanted to? To you know, what handles are you using if they wanted to reach out to you? Absolutely. Well, you know, Foreign Feast is a blog. You can check it out at www.foreignfeast.com. I'm most active right now on my Instagram, which is at Foreign Feast. So you can go to foreignfeast.com or at Foreign Feast. Uh, you can also go on Twitter at Foreign Feast as well. Um, and because of Cliff, you're going to see some YouTube stuff, I'm sure. So <laughs> I, I got to figure out what that handle is, but I'm always listening, um, uh, you know, food recommendations, um, places to go, places in, you know, someone's hood that is like awesome, a local joint. Um, I'm there. So I'd love to hear from you. You can go to uh, the contact form at farandfeast.com. Uh, and uh, I'm always uh, I'm always a click away, baby. All right. And if you want to get in contact with us, you, you can actually follow me on Instagram. And we do have a platform that I want to give you some information to. Just follow me on Instagram and DM me, uh, Niche Finder, Niche Finder Academy. And I will definitely get you set up with the link to get you access to the Niche Finder Academy. Um, that's Clifton C. Manning uh, on Instagram. And 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 as you know, uh, we believe just the reason we have experts on our show is because we believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dream and ability could be its fuel. Thank you for tuning in today. We look forward to having the very next guest. We're privileged to have uh, a foodie on, our very first foodie on our show today. <laughs> Thanks for having <laughs> me. Leave it in the pressure. Appreciate it. <laughs> and we'll, we, we look forward to having the very next guest to help you on your journey towards success. Thanks again. <laughs>